Good morning, everyone. Um, we need to pray, so uh, let's do that. Jesus, you are welcome in this place. You as the way maker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness, the one who sets us free. We sit before you in your presence this morning and say, would you stir us further in love with you, deeper in love with you, Jesus? We don't want to do a separation from what's just happened with music to what happens now with talking. But we say, this is all about you, Jesus. So would you come? You are welcome in this place. I pray for each of us here that you would open our hearts, that we would uh, learn from you, the great teacher, this morning. Amen. Okay, so um, today we're starting a new preaching series, and uh, over the series of the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the early chapters of the book of Acts, and the aim of that is that we're going to see what happened in those very early days of that very early church, and think about how that looks for us today. So what are the implications, if you like, for Jubilee? Because there must be implications because if there weren't any implications, we wouldn't have a record of it and told that that's God's word. So um, that kind of goes without saying. So this morning, we're going to do a bit of an initial exploration of that. And I'm going to run things, as Rob's alluded to, uh, a bit, little bit differently. So um, I'll explain why. But a few weeks ago, I spoke to you about, uh, in part of our Jubilee Vision talk, we talked about the importance of meeting together on Sundays and how that is part of our vision. And it's good that we've all carried on doing that, and we're here again today, so that's good. The vision is secure. Um, But it's about being together. It's about strengthening each other. Wasn't that great to go and encourage one another? Put your hand up if you have been encouraged this morning. Okay, there we go. So that's what we're meant to be doing when we get together on Sundays, exercising our gifts for the benefit of each other person a way of maturing us together as the body of Christ. And it's just a fabulous way to spend a few hours on a Sunday morning, isn't it? (laughs) I think it is. Okay. Um, But we only get 50 of those a year. We only get 50 Sundays every year. And that means you have six times as many other days in the year where you don't get to do this all together on a Sunday morning. And what that means is that Sundays, therefore, can't be the full extent of our interaction with God. Can't be the only time that we get to spend time with him. The only time when we glorify Jesus. The only time when we get to know the Holy Spirit anointing on us. It mustn't be that Sundays is the only time of the week where it happens. Because otherwise we grow wonky. Or in fact, we don't grow. We don't mature, we don't turn into, get increasingly transformed into the people we're called to be. Sundays cannot be the only time when we open up his word and ask him to speak to us. And I know you all agree with me on that, but then on the other hand, the Bible is a big, long, old and sometimes complicated and confusing book. And so how do we marry those two things together? Well, God's given us things called a teaching gift, which he gives to the church. 
And the aim of the teaching gift, one of many gifts amongst us. So we've seen prophetic gifts this morning. We've seen the gift of encouragement. We'll see hospitality later. There's all sorts of gifts. But the teaching gifts should help us. Why? Because it should build a reliance in us upon God and his word. By teaching us how to read, by stirring our hearts to want to obey, and by helping us understand the structure and the context and the content of his word. That's what the teaching gift does. The teaching gift is meant to equip us, not just educate us. It's meant to stir our hearts, not just fill our heads. And it's meant to always lead us back to scripture and the great teacher rather than lead us to man's wisdom and some thought-through thoughts from the front. Now, often we do see on a Sunday when we gather together, the most obvious teaching gift, I suppose, is when someone comes and stands and gives a talk or a sermon or a preach, as we like to talk it. Sermon, okay? (laughs) Just get off my chest. Um, But we're not going to do that today, okay? So we're going to do it a little differently. So what's going to happen is you are going to be talking to the people near to you about particular passages of scripture that I lead you to. And then we're going to hear what you've noticed. What is it that God's highlighted to you? So just while you're adjusting to that little bombshell, I'll, um, I'll just do a bit of a preamble. And um, like I said right at the start, this is a new series on the book of Acts. And uh, Acts is kind of part two of Luke's glorious history. I mean, Luke is one of the most fabulous historians in the ancient world. And I don't just say that because he got into the Bible. It is just recognized amongst historians that his accounts are phenomenal. Volume one, the book of Luke, the life of Jesus as he lived on earth. Book two, Acts, the life of the early church, if you like. And, uh, the, yeah, I could go on about Luke because he's impressive, but you'll have to catch me over coffee. But as he's writing, every so often, he does this really interesting thing in his writing where he drops in little summary statements. And these statements, they don't serve to move the narrative, the story forward. They just describe the current state of play. It's almost like he puts a little snapshot of, So this is the situation at this point. And then he picks up the story again. And they they kind of talk about the the general situation rather than specifically focusing in on the individual Paul or Peter or whoever it is in the story at that point. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to pick out a few of those summary statements from the book of Acts and we're going to look at them. And some of these summary statements are really well known. So if I said to you, Acts 2.42, some of you would be able to quote that back to me, about that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the fellowship, and to prayer. So a fairly well-known. So that's part of one of these summary statements. Others are not very well-known. And we overlook them. So an example would be, halfway through Acts chapter 5, you've had that dramatic Ananias and Sapphira being struck dead by God. Don't worry, I think... One, so Paul might be preaching on that later on in the uh, series, so he'll, he'll, he'll explain all that to you. But, uh, but you've got that, and then after that, you get the apostles arrested and a jail breakout and all sorts of things. And in the middle, there's a summary statement. We're going to pause 
to look at that because it's worth our attention. So my hope is that as we look at these series of summary statements this morning, as you look at these summary statements this morning and think about what they mean, that that will give you a broader picture of what's happening across the early church at that point. So there's going to be a a list of them uh, come up. From, uh, from Dylan there. And what I want you don't... Actually, can you not put that up? Because they'll get this back. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so the question is, that you're going to be answering, is what was the early church like? What did these few verses, couple of sentences, say about what the early church was like? What are the distinctives? What are the features? What are the characteristics that are described just in those few verses? And... Uh, And then we're going to pull back all those together. So what I want you to do is kind of adjust your chairs so you're in groups of kind of six, eight, eight people, so you're able to talk together. Um, If you want to write down stuff, I've got lots of colourful pens and some paper so you can jot it down, okay, if that helps you keep a record. Now, just before you do move, just before you move, There are going to be a list of a lot of different passages. Please don't start at the first one and work all the way through. Okay, Pick one at random, or as the Holy Spirit leads. And uh, and the first three are long. The others are very short. So kind of dip around, just see what you do. You won't have time to look at all of them. Okay. Any questions? How much time? Five to seven minutes. I'll give you seven. Yes, Beth. There's no prize. Rewards in heaven. Okay. Go for it. There's paper and pens if you want it. Passages are on the board. Don't all start with number one. Okay, I'm going to uh, cut across your conversations there. So, just a, this is just a little survey. Um, as you've talked in your groups, who feels, huh, there's a bit of teaching going on there? That's the teaching gift. It's not just here on a Sunday at the front. It's out there. God gifts gifts to his church. There's lots of teachers here. We can learn from each other. Anyway, I just thought I'd mention that. Um, So, what was the early church like? So, um, we haven't got ages to spend on each of these because we could spend a long time, but I won't. Um, But we'll just kind of scoot through them. I'm going to leave Acts 2 to start off with, but did any any groups look at Acts 4? Okay, this is is as planned. Ah, there we are. See, if you wait long enough, someone admits to it. Right. Um, What was the early church like? Just a couple of headlines, short, sharp responses. So, unity. 
Okay, so there's like a sharing and a generosity. There's a test of spelling now, isn't it, as well? Oh, yes, please. Thank you, Pam. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Where do I stand now? That's confusing. Okay. I'll go over here. Uh, great. Thank you. Um, anything else that, that came out in your discussions from that? Got sharing, generosity, unity. Trust. Yeah. Great. Okay, fab. I mean, just as the passage is there and people are reading it, anything anyone else notices that they want to throw into the mix? Yeah? No one in need? Okay, thanks, Melina. So testifying. So this, this phrase here, testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Okay. Right, so Rob's got a hierarchy of words here in Scripture, so that's, <laughs> just be careful. But um, yeah, so we've got, but we do have repetition. So we've got with great power, and then we've got powerfully at work in them. So Rob's got something there. Great. Anything else? All right, thank you. Thank you, group that did Acts 4. Um, Acts 5 was the next passage. So this was that one that I talked about before, in between the Ananias and Sapphira fun times and uh, the prison break, so, or the prison arrest. So any group, look at that. Mark's group. Jo- Jody is being volunteered. Thanks, Jody. That's the gift of volunteering, just in uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Jodie and group. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? So you've got, as we alluded to before, you've got Ananias and Sapphira, lie, killed, You'd be in awe, wouldn't you? And fear. And yet, there's something compelling. And that's what we see here. And so we see this kind of gathering together and the signs and wonders and so on. Yeah, fabulous. Any other groups look at that passage and want to throw anything in? Okay. Remember that we're building up here a picture. What was the early church like? Like, What was it like to be around the early church at this sort of time? Okay. Um, right. Chapter, a, a few of you looked at this. So 6 verse 7. So Acts 6 verse 7. This is, this is another really interesting one that I think gets lost in between the kind of, there's this issue with the Id- widows and wanting to feed them. And so they appoint these people. Um, to look after them and sort that out. And then you get on to, to Stephen and other exciting things. And in between, there's this little summary that Luke just drops in. So there it is. Who looked at that? Beaton, you had your hand up yet. So what did your group come up with? Okay, so God's word reigns supreme. Yeah, so this 
priests turning. I, I was hanging around, I think it was your group, Tim, wasn't it, where you were talking about that. Did you have any further insight on that, priests? Yeah, definitely. And interesting that this is not just the people on the street responding, but there's this the religious order, if you like, the kind of religious leaders, the Jews, yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. There's no hierarchy to the gospel, is there? Yeah. Yeah, alive because of the living word, yeah, like that. It's good. So word of God spread, yeah. So, yeah, what does that phrase mean, do people think? Okay, so, yeah, disciples discipling, yeah. Word of God spread. What were they, were they handing out, you know, New Testaments or something? <laughs> None of the New Testament had been written at this point. Yeah, okay. So, so they weren't doing that, but it's, it's the gospel, isn't it? And the way that that was spreading was it was being taken and proclaimed, passed on, preached, discussed, taught. The word of God spread. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that growth, that spread, the number of disciples, rapid growth. Yeah, yeah. organisation doesn't mean that we then slow down and settle. It means that actually it's a, it's a foundation for expansion, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Vicky. Really helpful. Great, okay. Um, let's move on then. A couple of chapters to um, chapter 9, I think was the next one, 9.31. Anyone look at this? Rich, your group, yeah? Okay. Yeah, led by the Holy Spirit. I think that probably the reason it hasn't been mentioned is because the Holy Spirit wasn't mentioned in those previous summary things that we looked at. And so people are sticking to the text, which is good. However, we did have power and we did have... So, yeah, yeah. But riches... Riches have less, less of the heckling, church. Um, so... <laughs> um, but Rich is absolutely right. The Holy Spirit living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We've just said that we've been encouraged this morning. The Holy Spirit encourages. He is the encourager, the one who comes alongside and encourages. Yeah, thank you. Anything else, Rich, from your group? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Great. Uh, John, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting, isn't it? So his, Luke's summary statement, and often we kind of read through Acts, and a lot of it is around the conflict and that time with the authorities, and there are all sorts of things going on. And in his summary statement, there's a time of peace. That's what he says. There's a time of peace, and growth happens, and that's really, that's really a good point to note. And throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, we know that. So we can see it starting here. How long after um, Jesus' death and resurrection do you think the end of chapter 9 of Acts was? 
Okay. Any, any further increase or decrease on 600 years? Lower. Okay. So it's about six years. About six years. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the problem, not, well, yeah, kind of a problem. If you want to date everything really tightly, it's a bit of a problem because Luke doesn't do dates because they didn't realize they were living in the year 34 AD. That hadn't been invented at that point. So there, there's no way, so we, we date it from other sources. But, but yeah, roughly, Paul visited Rome um, which was just before this verse, in around 36 AD, which is about six years after Jesus died and rose again. So that first kind of nine chapters that cover around about a six-year period. So we read and it's like bang, 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 3,000 are added, 5,000 are added. Wow, that's a crazy welcome group. You know, how do you do that? Well, yeah, it did happen rapidly. And there's a period of six years that it happens over. And by the time we get up to chapter 12, which is when James is killed and Herod dies, well, we know when Herod dies, uh, because that's accounted for elsewhere in historical documents, that's about 43, 44 AD. So you're looking at 14 years after Jesus died. And by the time you get to the Council of Jerusalem in chapter 15, you're then looking at um, more like 20 years. And the book of Acts itself covers about 34, 33 years. So when you read it with that on, that gives a different sense as well. There are hints, you know, he hangs around at Corinth for two years and that kind of thing, or Ephesus rather, two years. But, but that sense of time is helpful to just get a feel for it. Okay, uh, enough of me. That, Acts 12 looks like that's next. So anyone look at this? Lorraine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's that word of God phrase. Paul, did, and your group, anything to add to that? Yeah, there's just a sense of normality. Yeah. Yeah. Continues. Continues. Business as usual. Isn't that a phrase people use in their, um, in their work? So business as usual for the church, word of God continues to spread and flourish. <laughs> Word of God phrase again. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. John? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. Don't you just love Peterson, the way he translates, yeah, scripture? So leaps and bounds, yeah, love that. Thank you. This, this is not my observation. This is just reading the verses to us. Herod. Yep. Dying. Yep. And Herod's there, possibly in Rome, and the word of God flourishes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Look out for big butts in the Bible. It's really important because it often signifies something has happened. Yeah. Don't get it. Okay. Um, 
chapter 16 and verse 5. <laughs> chapter 16, verse 5. Uh, anyway, uh, beat on your group again. Yep. Yeah, so we've got strength being put in. We've got rapid growth. I mean, vibrancy, vibrancy yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Daily growth in numbers. Yeah, John. Yeah. Sorry, say that again. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's where taking a verse is a bit, you've got to see what goes before. And so Paul and his companions have just been around looking at all the churches in the different towns they've set up on their first missionary journey and they're revisiting them and the strength the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So these things aren't planted. They're not reliant on super Paul for growth. They grow daily. <laughs> and then he goes back to check up on what they're doing. And, oh, hang on, this word of God is still effective, still brings growth, still brings life, leaps and bounds happening in daily numbers and so on. Okay, we go on to the next one and see what's happening there. Great, thank you. Um, 1920. How many of you look at that and go, oh, saying? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Really interesting, so thank you, Tom. And the, I mean, the, the persecuted, today is the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And we have brothers and sisters all over the world who doing this is not possible. And yet, in their nations, the church is growing in strength. And, and there's this tenacity, this kind of thing about faith that should inspire us in our comfortable British society where it is acceptable for us to do this. So easy for us to do this. And we had a kind of a little glimmer, didn't we, of what it means to not be able to gather together when COVID prevented us. But that is nothing compared to our brothers and sisters around the world. And, and there's, there's something about this steeliness and the fact that the word of God is still effective even in those times of persecution. That's really important. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. Great. Any other things people want to... Oh, okay. Yeah, Tim. Absolutely. And the various commentators have, have said that, you know, is Acts of the Apostles the right name for this book? Or actually, is it the Acts of the Holy Spirit <laughs> using these people who he kind of grabs a hold of? And it's, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there were some other hands. Yeah, Mike. Yep. Yep. Jewish priest, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, and we see it taking place. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Where do you think the next summary statement might be? Oh, hang on, we've looked at them all, Simon. We've done the list. If you were writing the book of Acts, how would you finish it? With a summary statement, if you were Luke. And so there's another one there. Um, which I'll leave you to as an exercise for the reader so you can go home and do that on your own. 
But um, it's in a similar sort of vein as you'd expect. Uh, can we have uh, applause for our um, uh, <laughs> scribe? Thanks, Pam. So, I mean, would you want to be part of a church that looks like that? You all say yes. The persecution? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you are part of a church like that. That's the reality. The, nothing has changed. Only time has passed. But the word of God continues to spread, continues to grow. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit who gives us the same power and the same anointing to do the same things that he was anointing the church to do in those early days. And that's why it's going to be instructive for us as Jubilee to look at the book of Acts in more depth and delve into these. And one thing that is a nice exercise to do, and I won't be able to do it now, but to think about those cultural values that we describe ourselves in. So honour. Where's honour in here? Well, there's some honouring around need. Actually, we didn't even look at the first one, did we? Can you just put Acts 2 back up there? Sorry, did anyone look at that? Out of interest. No, okay, good. Okay, um, I'll refer to it in a minute. But, there, there, but there's various bits of honouring as we go through here. There's courage is another. Any signs of courage in that early church? Any signs of passion? Where? Give me an example of passion. They didn't give up meeting together. Testifying. People didn't have need yet. Yeah. What are our other cultural distinctives? I do know them, yes. <laughs> family. Any examples of family? Together, the sharing. There's that in and out of each other's homes, meeting in the temple, all sorts of things going on there. And the fifth one? Authenticity. Any examples of that? Yeah? They're in the public square. Sharing and generosity is in there again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, just go through with that kind of lens on, really, when you're reading it. Is where do I see Jubilee values in here? Because they're not really Jubilee values. They're biblical values that we've adopted and said, this is what God's told us we want to be in. So, I'm just going to, pause for a minute because I feel like that's been fairly rapid fire really. That's the Acts 2 passage which I said was probably the most well known of the summary statements. But I'd just like to pause for a moment and you have a little chat to the Holy Spirit and say what is it out of all those summary statements we've looked at, what is it that you're underlining to me this morning? What is it that's resonating with my heart? Maybe it's a challenge, maybe it's an encouragement, I don't know. The Holy Spirit can do that, not me. But just listen to him now. It may be that as you've reflected on those passages and ask the Holy Spirit, and maybe that there's a bit of dissatisfaction. Why aren't we a bit more like that? The word that's bothering me is that word daily. Daily. Daily growth. 
daily expansion, daily the word of God growing. And there, it's there in that Acts 2 at the end there, daily adding to their number. That's bothering me. I'm going to have to go away and speak to God about that. But it could be different for you. But how would you, what would your summary statement of Jubilee Church be like? How would that read? Why don't you go and try and write one this week? Summary statement. 11 years after Jubilee Church launched, what would your summary statement be? A pause from the action. What would it say? And then we pick up the story. So, to finish, I said it was going to be a bit different, so I hope it has been. Um, But we're going to finish by imitating the early church. Yes, please, Paul. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we're going to break bread together.